What's up, all you stoners, boners, and loners? Welcome to The Highway with Kyle Shutt. I am Kyle Shutt, and we got such a treat for you this week. We got Becky Cloonan on the program. She is one of the best comic book creators around. We talk all about her creative journey from studying under Ralph Bakshi. Yeah, you heard that right. All the way up to creating the latest issues of Wonder Woman. So this, this lady has class. If you like what you hear on the program, please follow where you can follow. Go ahead and smash that subscribe button, and if you want to go one step further, help out the program a little bit, you can find us at patreon.com slash thehighway. Throw a couple of bucks in the hat and get yourself some early access to next week's episode, which is up right now. Even get yourself a shout-out like Matthew Kefauver, Andy Stewart, Damian Stewart, and Brett Solferino. Thank you all so much for kicking in this week. We also got to give some mad love to Heil Microphones, our sponsors. If you like the way I sound... It's because there's a Heil in front of me. Now, I love playing guitar in a band, and I love tending bar across the land, but I love doing this show because I get to do things my way. The Highway. Hey there, Becky. What's going on? Hey, uh, nothing much. Just hanging out here in Austin. <laughs> yeah, Becky Clooner and everybody from uh, too many projects to announce. Uh, some of my favorites, uh, like uh, Southern Cross, well, just awesome. It's like a, a Agatha Christie in space. Yeah. Uh, kind of adventure. Um, espionage. I kind of, I just, I just loved it. Um, and uh, yeah, just uh, thanks so much for for being on the program. Yeah, it's no problem. I think we met in. 2012 i want to say around then because you were living in montreal yeah i was up in montreal and, uh, you guys were on tour with american sharks i think yeah and i had done i think a, i had done work for you already by then like i think i, I think so too yeah because uh, i think we got in touch from a, a man named mark Irwin who ran a collective of uh, comic book artists that just sort of did freelance work for bands like doing t-shirt designs and stuff and we really liked um what you did i think i know you did the veil of isis design that might have been one of the first ones it was the first was one was beautiful um it was that old it was the old man <laughs> i can't remember what's it was like for a song and i can't remember the song but it was like old man shirt kind of thing oh yeah that was the veil of isis wasn't it yeah, and it was like real flowery, and, yeah. and it was just so much different than everything else that we had at the time. That was one of the sword tricks, as we always when it was when it came time to make T-shirt designs for tour, where we were just like, "Well, the album's got ten songs on it, so just make a design per song, and then boom, there you go, you got designs for the world tour." I love but, that. Uh, your your stuff was so different than anybody else um, that we had, and uh, we we wanted more. We oh, had to have. Thank more. you. That's a compliment. I'm taking it. <laughs> <laughs> You're, I'm going to compliment you a lot here because uh, there's just uh, so much history here. We've actually been friends for quite a while. Um, uh, I, I came across, uh, or I come across your work in the funniest places uh, sometimes. I, I, I went to, I'm an avid reader. I, I, I love uh, any genre pretty much, but especially the classics. If I can find a good deal on something, I'll, I'll buy it. Like I, I used to go to half price books in Austin a lot. And, uh, you'd be walking by the counter and see like a, the complete works of William Shakespeare for $5. And I'd just, I'd just be like, 
well, I'm a fucking asshole if I don't buy this. Yeah, of course. You know, <laughs> kind of thing. But uh, <laughs> I don't know why, but I wa- I was really wanting uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. So of I was course. like, oh, I'll, I'll just go to half price and, and pick it up. And I go to the, the Stoker section and <laughs> there it is. Bram Stoker's Dracula as illustrated by Becky Cloonan. I was like, I God damn it. <laughs> when, when me and Bram work together. We go back. We go way back, actually. <laughs> way, <laughs> way back. Yeah, uh, uh, how I, did, I, I, I did want to ask you how that came about, like when it, when something so classic and well-known gets optioned like that, like who do you deal with? That was through a literary agent, and she got in touch with me because she heard about this, um, oh, so I was like living in New York at the time, I think, and um, Scholastic, I want to say, I can't even remember right now, this is horrible, but... Um, they wanted to do like a new adaptation of Dracula with like, well, not even an adaptation of it, just an illustrated hardcover edition. And this, yeah. oh, it was um, because the movie Dark Shadows was coming out. And so they were like, we need to put out a new, a new edition of fucking Dracula because everyone loves Dracula. And Vampire Fever comes up about every five years, right? Yeah, Something yeah, it's like, like a, yeah. it's on a big cycle. You know, it's a whole werewolves yeah. and then zombies and then vampires and yeah. it just goes and goes. Um, and... I, I tried in that book particularly, I knew it was like connected with Dark Shadows, but I didn't want to have any like connection to the movie besides just their like ad campaign, I guess, when the book first came out. Um, and so I tried to like just, you know, I didn't use any black. It was everything was like dark blue and like dark reds. So it was like a mm-hmm. different feel. It was like less like hyper gothy. I, I don't know. It was different. And some of it worked and some of it didn't. I don't know. But I'm glad you got one. Yeah. It was. It, I thought it was beautiful. Thank um, you. It, uh, 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 is there? Do you have like a? I know you're, you're such a creative force. You've got plenty of your own ideas and stuff. I know, but is, is there like a Dracula like five more times? <laughs> you can do that. But I was gonna say, is there like a dream adaptation that that you have oh, thought God. about? Like, you know? Yeah, there is a few different things. Um, there's like an old Arthur Conan Doyle book that I've been meaning to do for years. I just haven't gotten around to it. But I, it's like. Just figuring out, like, the angle that you want to take with an adaptation. Uh-huh. It's so, And then with, like, the illustrated Dracula was cool because I could just pick scenes that I liked and illustrate totally. the book. But when you're, like, dealing with an adaptation, like, into comics, you have to think, like, it's going to read, like, a Cliff Notes version of a book. Mm-hmm. So that, mm-hmm. it just becomes really difficult because to compress something, you know, what, ideally, you'd want to take, like, a short story and, like, expand it out. So something, yeah. like, maybe... Um, Sarah Perkins Gilman wrote a, a story called The Yellow Wallpaper, and, it, and it's like a great horror story. If you haven't read it, um, you definitely should. Um, but I that's will. one that I would definitely like to adapt because it's like, it's short. It's a thing that deals with like um, postpartum depression and like, you know, it was very ahead of its time for when it was. It was written like in the I want to say late eighteen hundreds or early nineteen hundreds, and it was very like um, feminist during a time when that wasn't always the case <laughs> yeah but that's a great story i would definitely adapt that is it, would you liken it to to writing a movie like a screenplay or something like that or is it like a totally like different monster i think there's a lot of similarities i had a background in animation so i came from like storyboarding and like that kind of thing like as a what mm-hmm. i was trained to do at school i guess um but comics is like it's like a storyboard, but then you have to think about 
you only have like so many pages and on every page only a certain number of things can happen so you're constantly thinking about like well what are the emotional beats that have to happen on this page and what are the action that has can it all be done is it gonna like work when you turn the page like how how is this whole book gonna work Mm -hmm. together what's your format is it digital or is it print is it like issues or is it a graphic novel there's like so many different factors into making a comic or making uh deciding uh how your story is going to work as a comic book, but it can be done. It's just different, you know? Uh, were you always into comics or was it kind of like a, oh, yeah. a later in the game kind of thing? Yeah. Oh, no. uh, me too. Since I was a kid. Batman was my first. Yeah. Batman. So, uh, yeah. Well, it was, um, I don't, you know, I think my, f- oof, I, I don't know what the exact first book I ever had was, but it was definitely a Batman book. And, uh, I was really into, uh, when the Tim Burton movie came out, and that was what eighty nine. Yeah, because I was born in eighty three, so I, w- I would have been about yeah six or seven, and it was just uh, Batman fever like swept the nation at that point, and I was wicked into Batman. Uh, but then whenever I heard about these X Men, oh yeah, you know I was like, whoa, there's one with claws, and there's one with laser eyes, and there's a chick that can touch people and drain their life. Whoa, you know yeah. what I mean? I was just I was hooked on X Men, and um, it was always I don't know, it's funny. I I love your take on this because. Growing up, in, yeah, in the uh, I guess early '90s, getting into all the comic books and stuff like that. Um, you know, I was a nerd. I used to get made fun of so much for yeah, reading comics and stuff like that. And it's just so funny how it's just become like the standard, you know, mainstream thing. If you're not into you know the Avengers, then you know what have you been doing with your life? Yeah, um, I just it's 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 almost turned me <laughs> off uh, to it. I I hate to admit that, but it's true. Like the the whole Punisher skull being appropriated for oh that's uh, awful. The, all, yeah. all the wrong reasons. I know. I, mean, I, I worked on the Punisher, Punisher for a bit skull. too. Yeah. I know it was one of my favorite ones. You, uh, t- you had such a unique sucks. spin on it. It was fun. I got I just pitched it as like, well, it's Jason Voorhees, except he like kind of kills bad guys, I guess. <laughs> but I definitely <laughs> well, pitched him a, as a bad guy. <laughs> Yeah, but you had like a survival spin on it too. So it was like Punisher with no guns. I know. I was like, I'm gonna you know, take away his guns. Thing. That was so, <laughs> so cool. awful. It was I great know, though. We used a lot awesome. of bear traps and like you know, just things that you'd find in the woods. So sick. Yeah, that was, that was great. I also loved um, uh, Reminder when he did um, Frankencastle. Oh yeah, that where, was like, fun. Uh, I think that was during Dark Rain, or maybe that was post Dark Rain, or something like that. But yeah, when he just uh, the Punisher got ripped into a million pieces and then sewed back together and was like a, a yeah Frankenstein yeah monster hunting that down yeah, was so cool. That was super that was fun, awesome. man. Yeah, but, it's too um, bad. It is too bad. <laughs> just pour no, one it's out. Okay, for but the, whenever pour it out for Frank Castle right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, especially not to mention the Garth Ennis years and all that stuff too. Oh my um, god, yeah, Punisher Max was such a big influence on me and. Um, Steve Dillon, who drew all that, yeah, I, I uh-huh. read Preacher when I was in like high school. I worked at a video store, oh, and, and there was a guy there who also was into comics, and he was like a little bit, he was like in, like a few years older than me, so he would give me all the mm-hmm. books that like I wasn't like I hadn't matured into yet. So like of mm-hmm. course like Sandman and like um, David Mac Kabuki, David Max Kabuki, I read, um, and yeah. Preacher was one of those, and it was, I was definitely, like, too young to have read it at the time. <laughs> so when I Nothing got to work like with, that. yeah, when I got to work with Steve on on Punisher, and he, Steve passed away after issue seven, which was, like, really sad. It was, it was really sudden, too. It was, um, he had appendicitis, and 
Oh my goodness. Um, didn't he thought it was like food poisoning, so he just passed away in his sleep one night. And oh my god! It, it was like in the middle of like he he had just finished issue seven, I think, and it was like just. Or no, it was, yeah, I think it was issue seven. And it, it, anyway, it just, it was super tragic. It was really depressing. But I'm really glad I got so to work with to him. That. Yeah, it was like a, it was crazy. It was like right after a convention too, mm-hmm. New York Comic Con. Um, Pre- I was going to say, Preacher was one of those books for me that like, I've, um, I, I usually read stuff that I just really enjoy and get into and get obsessed with. Preacher was one of those books that like made me depressed. Yeah. Like they it was written so well that when and the characters got fucked with so hard that oh, I was straight no. up like depressed. Like <laughs> I didn't I want to go on after a while. Like it was so good. Preacher was a hard book to read, but it was like Steve's art has he had this like really dark humor to it, you know? Like it, mm-hmm. there would be something just so fucked up happening, but then you'd see a character's face in the, in like a panel and it would just have like a wry smile on or something, you know? Uh-huh. It was like yeah. very he was so good at like masterfully handling like the dark and like the humor of it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Stray Bullets by Dave Lampum is another one that was like, did you ever read that book? I, I did not. That's a book that I would like read and then be like, oh, I got to stop reading this because it's fucking me up. <laughs> it's, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also just like one of those hates you in the gut, you know? Yeah. Cerebus was kind of like that for me, but it was so long that I, oh, yeah. I don't know. It was, it was just, I mean, I, uh, people have mixed feelings about Dave Sim, but, uh, it, you can't deny that yeah, book it, like, is like just absolutely, you know, it's, it's incredible. It's a, yeah. I read his, um, guide to self-publishing Dave Sim's guide to self-publishing when I was uh-huh. in high school. It was one of the guys at the comic shop knew that my friends and I liked to draw. And so he like pulled it aside and he's like, you should, you should, take this book and it was like so depressing <laughs> i was like i'll never be able to make comics if this is what his like whole guide to self-publishing was basically like you'll never be able to do this and if you do you're gonna well it's be... like uh yeah no no i know what you mean because like in the music industry with like steve albini he wrote this essay that was just like if you can make it to the end of that thing and you still want to be in a band then you might stand a chance at it yeah i, yeah. Can, I can only yeah. imagine and as a kid you read it and you're like well because <laughs> your hopes and dreams are like just I guess I gotta find a it, new career path you know I know it didn't help that he was the most bitter Canadian to ever exist like I know ever. but you don't know that you know as a kid when you're reading it you're, you don't oh, know yeah, anything totally. about the people that you're like reading the books of or, or listening to the music of you're just like oh this person must know what they're doing they have no idea what they're he, doing no one yeah, ever knows one, what they're though. doing <laughs> <laughs> He was one, though, that, like, would actually, like, uh, Peter David did this kind of, too. He would write essays at the end of his oh, comics, yeah. you know, so you could, like, keep reading. And so, you, you I don't know, like, I, I don't know which book, I think it might have been Read, the one Read, it was what it was called, where, like, it was mostly essays, and he would sprinkle in, like, a little bit of comic at the end where I was just reading the stuff. I was like, my God, yeah. dude, like, what, <laughs> what do you do all day? There was definitely uh, a point in time when I read that, and I was like, maybe I'll stop reading this book. <laughs> <laughs> there's so many other books you could read there's so many uh, but, other uh, books i could be reading yeah. but whenever um uh i was gonna say whenever comics sort of became really mainstream it's that's sort of when i kind of got into more of like the indie stuff uh because there's so much of it out there and like i i i can't tell you no offense at all but i i can't tell you the last time i read like a big blockbuster style 
uh, book. I'm, I'm so out of touch with like the current universe. Oh, everything. you know, uh, same here. If I, if I didn't work in it, I would be lo- and I do work in it. And I'm sometimes I'm mm-hmm. like, what, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> like, do you have to have like meetings where like, you know, hey, so what's yes. going on now? Like, yeah, what, like, we with do. The There's team like, or whatever. Yeah. For um, like we just did the big future state thing with like Immortal Wonder Woman and like the Midnighter book that came out this week. Uh-huh. And like leading up to it, it was just giant meetings with like a, a ton of people just and it's cool because everyone's like giving their ideas and like but sometimes I'm like, what what am I doing here? <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is like. I do like to keep up with what's going on just because I know like so many books that come out are like, Oh, I know this person or like friends got, you know, everyone, when you look at the shelf, you just see like everyone that, you know, so it's exciting, totally. you know, and it's also totally. hard to keep up with, but I try. <laughs> it, they, they just keep cranking them out. Like you have oh to be God. hooked, you yeah. know what I mean? Like a uh, week to week or whatever, if you want to yeah. like, really keep up with it all. Yeah. Which is, I mean, good marketing, but you know, at the end of the day, I stopped reading, um, single issues, from Marvel specifically because the my favorite thing to do in the world is smoke weed and read comic books and like half the <laughs> ads and God the issues you. are anti-drug ads you know and I'm just like I can't like this is what I'm paying for I, is it I can't a drug though? is weed really tra- a drug is that like are we, are we still that I don't know that? <laughs> in, well, uh, I, I, in some states I suppose but yeah uh, that's a that's a different podcast actually no this this is this podcast the highway uh, yeah. but uh <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I wanted to ask you, um, about, uh, your, not your work specifically, but, uh, uh, if you want to talk about it, that'd be great, but just, uh, comics in general, uh, getting optioned for film or, or TV adaptations or something like that. It seems like in the music industry, very rarely does something get recorded that doesn't get released, yeah. you know, or like something every, every once in a while, sure. Like a band will get together and make a record and then sign a deal and then the label, the, the label shelves it. Or, uh, you know, maybe a, a, a big artist does a, a record that might get shelved and then reproduced by somebody else and then you lose it. But for the most part, it's all out there. And um, but with with comics, I know like it's and, or film in general, it just seems like so much gets bought up and just never made. Is that the case or is it kind of? Oh, yeah. It, has, it, has, has it changed over the years? I think um, I've sold a few options and never. I mean, options aren't like super lucrative um it was southern cross was one that just that got optioned um by fox recently to do um they want to do like an anime out of it so it's like crunchyroll basically optioned it please make that i know please, please I, make I, that. I just i want that to happen so badly but it's it's in like the option stage of course so it's like i don't yeah. talk about it really because there's nothing really to talk about it's not super uh-huh. it's exciting in the fact that it, yeah we're, we're there but it's also like you know, nothing will probably happen, which is how it usually is. Um, right now, especially, I think with all the streaming services, like everything's getting optioned and it doesn't necessarily mean like everything's going to get made. Um, totally. Yeah. It's just like they're, they're just waiting for that team or that script or, or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Just the, waiting the for the to, money to rise to, to the surface. Yeah. Exactly. So, and so much of it has to do with like, you know, who's who's involved and who sees it, who likes it. Um yeah, I don't know. I'm, I haven't worked on too many things. I haven't had done, like, I haven't done too many, um, like, creator-owned books. Most of the work that I do is for, like, Marvel or DC or, like, Dark Horse or something. Mm-hmm. And it's with, like, other people or on, like, licensed properties. So, um, you know, I don't have too much experience with that. But maybe one mm-hmm. day I'll have a movie. <laughs> we could just do the Becky Clunan documentary. Yeah. That'd uh, be great. Sure. 
<laughs> I mean, there's always the like, you know, <laughs> I can always just like kickstart something, maybe get something going on my own. But that's so much work. You've done it. I can't oh, do that. Uh, yeah. Uh, Kickstarter. I like to, to I say that it's like signing up for a heart attack. <laughs> I uh, don't want that. Yeah, you're just, it, it's um, it seems like a great idea. And then you launch it. And then like, about three days in, you're like, this was an awful idea. And you then, do it so but, well, you know, I thank you. I appreciate that. It's uh, I, it definitely causes my hair to fall out. But um, you just have to keep at it. It's a it's a the Kickstarters are funny because it's like taking one job and making it into three jobs. Because yeah. then you have to you have the entire job of creating your promo and everything before you even launch. Yeah. And then that's a full time job. And then uh, you then you have to do the campaign, which is uh, thirty. I recommend 30 days. You can draw it out into 60 if you want, but I wouldn't wish that on anyone. You, you just you pick a 30-day campaign, and then you grind hard for 30 days straight. No, yeah. I mean, 24 hours a day, no time off. And then if it works, then you have to do the job. So it's, yeah. it really is like, uh, yeah, like creating. And then fulfillment on top of it. You know, you've got to like yeah. get all the backers, yeah. all their goodies, and like mail it out to everybody and you know, then you're doing customer it, service too. Cause everyone's like, where's my thing. <laughs> I kind of, I, I enjoy that part of it. I, I really appreciate direct fan involvement. Um, I do too, I but I, to, I hate uh, emails. <laughs> yeah. I just try to like just steamroll it. Like, as soon as I get one, I reply right away. I, I just, if, if you let them pile up, you're doomed. I do it. Um, I do it once a week. Actually, we have like an online store Nice. and I have like Sunday is the day. So then Sunday I go through and like answer emails, like sort everything out and then like pack all the stuff. And it becomes like, a one day thing where they're smart. I should do that. <laughs> well, this it, it's so it doesn't take up like the entirety because you could just do it every day and you'd have like a little bit going every day. But then I find yeah. it's just easier to just focus it up and like get all done at once. Uh huh. That's my lab. It's total chaos. I'm just like, well, what's going on? I'm recording this song and then I have to do this other thing and now I got a podcast to do. I'm like, oh, what am I doing? You are, uh, yeah, you've got so many, so many irons in the fire. I, well, I, I, Whenever I, I guess we don't have to talk about the pandemic so much, but uh, it's hard not to bring it up at least. But whenever the, the pandemic first hit and, and the quarantine hit Austin, uh, instead of being depressed about life, I just decided to be stressed out about way too many projects. And oh, so yeah. it's, it's still I'm, I'm still stressed. I'd like to think that in 10 years, like everything will be back to normal and fine. And I'm still like just so stressed. <laughs> and be like, what, what, what happened? Yeah. Ah, I can't stop working. Ah, ah. He never left the quarantine yet. Kyle's still in quarantine. Yeah, right. Yeah, I know. I'm just locked inside my house all the time. Like, I haven't seen the sun. Oh. Oh, that's yeah. me. That's me. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. But, uh, but uh, how, how did, um, I know that, yeah, you didn't you go to school in New York? I uh, did, to, yeah. I went to the yeah, School of Visual I, Arts um, for two years, two and a half years. Um, and I had, actually, I went to school for animation. So when I left, I, and part of that was because of that fucking Dave Sim comic thing that he did. I was like, oh, well, I'll never be able to make comics. And also, like... What an asshole. I know. He made I was you gonna... quit school? Oh, no, no. He God. made me go to, to school for animation. Because I wanted to go to oh, school okay. for... Instead of, com- oh, okay. Instead oh, of okay. comics. So, like... And SVA had, like, a one of the few schools in the country that had, like, a cartooning major. And a bachelor program for it. So, of course, like, my family likes it. Because it's not just, like... You're not just getting a diploma. Or not a diploma. Like, a certificate or something. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it's a whole thing. I went to school for animation... Two years in, the animation industry, like, bottoms out. Like, like Fox, Warner Brothers, uh, Disney stops doing 2D, uh, MTV stops animating, or they go to Yeah, and what Canada year was that? Something. That would have been, like, the late, late 90s, something like that? It was, like, 2000 like and, 2001, maybe? 2000? Yeah, uh-huh. 
And I was like, well, what am I doing here? And I had Ralph Bakshi yeah. as a teacher, actually, who did like no the great shit. Ralph Bakshi, right? Wizards. Wow. Um, Felix the Cat, or was it Fritz the Cat? And then um, he did uh, the old Wizards. Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Um, American Fire Pop. and Ice. Fire and Ice. Yeah. Uh, I was like, what am I doing here? He's like, well, you don't need like school. No one's ever going to ask you for a degree if you're an artist. And I was that like, That is really? the best goddamn advice anyone could give you in <laughs> art. Know. Seriously. Yeah. He's like, yeah, you know, just take what you need from school. And if you feel like you've got everything, just leave. Cause like it's your portfolio, it's your contacts. Like, who do you know? And then I actually dropped out of school and we started working on a film together. <laughs> Hell yeah. It was crazy. I and had then, no idea. I've never heard yeah. this story. Yeah. And then 9-11 happened and we had, well, we had our pitch ready to go and everything, like character designs, like everything was written out. He was going to hire me to be like an assistant director, which I was like, I'm fucking like 20 years old. <laughs> Hanging out with Ralph. It, he, and he's like so inspiring and he like taught me a lot. And then, um, and then 9-11 happened, of course. And then like all movies kind of shut down. So, like, every pitch mm-hmm. was, like, kind of shelved. And then he, um, I think he ended up moving to Arizona and was, like, and he's just painting now, like, which is great. Because um, he's actually an incredible painter. I don't know if you've seen his work. He just does, like, a lot of crazy giant oil paintings of clowns and stuff. It's really, like, d- wow. dystopian and bizarre and, like, unsettling, but, like, super cool. Um, yeah. Ralph actually. You just blew my mind. Great. Wow, holy shit. I know. Well, um, and then after that, I worked, that's when I worked on Super Troopers. <laughs> <laughs> no shit really did the you know that one? yeah I did I did I animated I drew John I drew Johnny Chimpo and I animated wow. the animation sequence the Afghanistan animation that's awesome it's and I storyboarded that film too <laughs> well, well I'll be goddamned. I know yeah that's really cool it's funny um that was actually um I, I wanted to go into animation myself. I, I was a real big uh Tim Burton fan and um just uh, I was I loved music but I loved uh film, I loved animation, I loved, and I just I really wanted to go into cartooning and stuff like that. So I moved to Austin uh in 2000 to go to school. It was I didn't really intend to finish school. I just like my parents, you know, really wouldn't have let me leave home. Yeah. At at that age, I, I graduated high school a year early and I just wanted to get the fuck out of Dodge. Um, so I was like, yeah, I'll go to school and like go to, you know, I'll go to film school in Austin. That's a thing that people do. Right. And I, le- I learned really quickly that, um, that a lot of rich kids like had such a leg up on me already just because they had access to like so much other like film editing software and stuff like oh, that yeah. because everything was on the verge of going digital. And then, so, I mean, I was saving up money to buy my own, you know, camera and like, you know, I was going to buy like 20,000 cells and just make my own cartoon and that was gonna be, i got real into spike and mike's uh sick and twisted animation festival oh, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's that great. came through town and i was like so you can do this like a punk band you can like make your own cartoons like i was about to do that and i don't know why but at the last second i was like you know what fuck it i'm just gonna use the money that i've saved up to buy a decent guitar and and, and some gear and uh, i'm just gonna play music like fuck yeah. it. I'm, i have no business well you know because like um, the whole time you know, it takes you to record an album you'd come out of that with like 30 seconds of animation <laughs> and it wouldn't that. even have sound Maybe, you know, yeah, I know. I was just like, good lord. Um, no, it's animation dude, is tedious. It's like, God bless anyone who's out there being an animator because it's it's hard work. And I wasn't. Does cut anybody out for do it. it anymore? Oh yeah, I people mean, the, animate. The, I follow a ton of animators. <laughs> uh-huh. I just mean like because everything gets scanned into like you know uh, whatever like digital kind of like. Uh, yeah, there's right a lot now, of like three so D stuff, um, but there's still a lot of two D 
stuff going on. And I, you know, I'm friends with a few people who still do like 2D commercial animation, which is like insane to me. Um, but a lot of it ends up being like ad campaign work or like one of my friends did um, all the the animated backgrounds for like a rush tour. So that's like a thing you can do if you're an animator. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. I didn't even think about really that. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a lot you can do with it. I kind of wish I had kept up with it. Um, when I was doing animation, it was like pre, um, like everything was still on film. Like we were shooting on like film and I was gonna say like, like Anastasia that. had just come out like in the late nineties. Yes. That was a big one. I'm trying yeah. to think of like the, the, the late period 2d ones. Anima- um, like, like Anastasia Mul- and then like Mulan or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it was after that, it was like Titan AE came out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was like a great time, a golden age of animation. Then it all just like blew up. Um, I think it was just like an unstable industry because they cost so much to make. And then totally. in you, all the money that you're making as a, as a studio comes from like toys and shit. Like that. So if your film doesn't inspire kids to run out and like get the toys, <laughs> that's why they all had like musicals. It was like very like, you know, they were all for it was all for kids because that's how you make yeah. your money. You know, it's yeah. like it's just like comics. It's sad, but it's like the Batman comic. You know, do you think that sells as much as like a Batman T-shirt? You know, like all the licensing stuff is what makes money. You know, I sometimes I'm like, why do we even make comics anymore? Because <laughs> it's like that's why Todd McFarlane made toys. Oh my god, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the industry is like, I love comics with all my heart. Don't get me wrong, but the industry is like, when I think about it, it's like held together with like fishing line and like I don't know some mm-hmm. chewed bubble gum and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. I, I believe it. I'm I'm so happy though that it I, I don't know who's responsible necessarily if it's just like I mean it's T V like shows shows like Big Bang Theory or whatever that made it cool to be a nerd or, or what however you want to slice it or whatever. I'm just glad that it's at least popular enough that a lot of the older books are, are available now. Like old oh, trades yeah. like the uh the, the Batman um a Death in the Family or something like that. You know, like you can buy that still. It's not like just something that's lost forever. You yeah. Know? So and DC I, I do appreciate really good. that about it. Yeah, DC's great at keeping their old trades in circulation too. Like Marvel's mm-hmm. not it's a little bit harder, I think, with Marvel books for whatever reason. But DC has like really good distribution, um, great trade tricks, trade circulation, keeping their old stuff in print. So cheers to mm-hmm. DC. Also, I, work I was reading for this them. thing where I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> also, I work for them. <laughs> so they they're uh, they're who's keeping the lights on in this place right now. <laughs> yeah. How, how hard is it to keep track of sales? Because I, I read something where Neil Gaiman said that there's no way to tell how many copies of Sandman sold because like every volume has has a different ISBN number and like there's no real like um, in, in music you have like Nielsen SoundScan kind of like programs and stuff like that not that it's that accurate or even relevant anymore but at least there's like a, a companies that keep track of this stuff but from what from what i read that he said he said there's really no way to tell on a grand scale like how much something is sold like, yeah. like you could in a normal like publishing way it's really difficult i think some of it especially when you get into trades then you're talking about like a lot of bookstore distribution and with that mm-hmm. a lot of books get sold to stores and then stores will return a lot so, like, you have to account for, like, returns, which might uh, be, like, 50% of what you sell. So, it just, uh-huh. I think some of that muddies the water. Um, I, with comics, I know digital right now is really crazy, too, because, like, some, it's just no one wants to, like, show their hand with, like, digital sales, which is really weird. That is <laughs> but weird. it's, like, it's hard to tell. Um, I mean, I get royalty statements, so I get, like, an idea of how a book is doing. Um, and, you know, with, with monthly comics, it's, like, 
you know, it's books can sell between like 5,000 copies and like 100,000 copies, but you're never really going to mm-hmm. break, you know, if, if you break 20,000, you're doing pretty good <laughs> on like a Is month by month basis. Is there like a, cause some of my favorite teams have been canceled. Oh yeah, it's for not, sure. You know, like, I didn't know if there was like an actual like number where they, I don't like, know if there's a number, you, like, you know, but like I had a book canceled this year. Um, it was dark Agnes, which was a Robert E. Howard adaptation. And it was for Marvel because they got, they got a license to all the Robert E. Howard books like Conan and like Solomon Kane and like stuff like that. So dark Agnes was one of them. And I wrote like a five issue series and issue two came out and then pandemic hit and they just canceled like 30% of their books. And Dark Agnes wasn't selling super great. I think it was like low thousand. It was like 5,000 or something, 6,000. And they were just like, yeah, it's not, numbers aren't there. Um, it's a licensed book. So they don't have like any investment in it beyond keeping the licensor happy, you know? Yeah. So it was like a super, I was so like, I got super, I don't want to say depressed about it, but it was like. Uh, it fucked me up. I've had books canceled before, but it just sucks. You well, know, it's, yeah, like, it's like you get the, the rug yanked out from under you like that. I know. Fuck that. I'm so and I had sorry. Written, like, all, it's okay. It's like it comes with the territory. I've had whole books like not get put out. So it's like, yeah, it happens. And you just have to like roll with it. And I'm lucky that that's when we got Wonder Woman right after that. So it was kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, I got, you know, knocked down and then I get up again, I guess. It's sad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that's, um, yeah. That was that was a rough way to start quarantine. <laughs> Yeesh. God, I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. Oh man, uh, have have you ever been tapped to? Because I mean, you write just as much as you draw. Or, yeah. But are the two exclusive? I mean, are are they, are they married together all the time? Have you ever been hit up to just uh, write a, an actual film or anything like that? Since the comics are not taken a film. Off or anything like that? Um, I've. Yeah, I've written short films, but I've never like done any like feature work or anything like that. And I don't know if mm-hmm. I'd be any good at it because I don't I don't know you the would. medium. Though. You so would. Are you kidding me? You're <laughs> such a fucking good writer. It's impossible to tell you a joke because you're like I would <laughs> say something and then like your your quick fire punchline is like funnier than the punchline. You know, I'm just like God damn it. Just... <laughs> That's, these I have to workshop things. I you know it takes time. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, drawing takes a lot of time, so I've scaled back my my drawing work that I've been doing. Like a lot of the stuff mm-hmm. I do is like illustration or like short stories. I've stopped doing like monthly books because it's just you can only do that one thing. At least with writing, it's yeah. like you can kind of focus on like four or five different things, or maybe in my case, two or three different things <laughs> at a time. Yeah. <laughs> but I've always got like one drawing project that I'm doing. So. Yeah. 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 Well, um, I, I was curious um, about your time in Montreal. Uh, what what sparked the move from New York to uh, Canada, and how, how how difficult is it a just to even live in Montreal because it's so fucking cold most of the time? But <laughs> how difficult is it to um, to uh, just be a, an American citizen in Canada, like to, to to get the visas and all that oh, together? Man. Is that something that you wish you were still doing? I uh, you know I think about that sometimes because it's like. You know, just, I love Canada. And I, you know, I grew up in New Hampshire and it's like, I like the cold and New York gets kind of cold sometimes. Um, New York was so expensive, you know, and it's, I was like, I wasn't bleeding money when I was there, but I wasn't saving anything. You know, every year like taxes would come and it's like, you'd see your savings just go back down. And every year Uh you like make a little more and then it goes back down. So 
it was hard for me to like have a studio there and like really um, try to, you know, see any future in the city where, you know, you just feel priced out. And then after a certain point in time, you're not using the city anymore. Like I stopped going to museums and like I stopped going to shows and I was just like, I'm old and I'm living in Brooklyn and wow, I never leave my neighborhood. So I was like, why, why am I here? And then see what happens is you start dating a Canadian (laughs) and then you got to figure out where you're going to live. So, um, I was dating a guy who lived in Toronto and we, he did comics too. So we met at like conventions and stuff like that. And after a while I was like, well, let's maybe, you know, we did long distance for a bit and then it was like see if it worked and it didn't work but he's we remain friends um it's actually andy belanger who did southern he drew southern cross which we started after we broke up which is crazy but it like ended up saving our friendship you know because we had to like hang out because we had this book together now (laughs) yeah and when i started uh reading it too i was like this is like the fleetwood mac rumors of like comic books this is great you know (laughs) because i i i I had known both of y'all um from from meeting you in Montreal and yeah. uh, you actually you you did um one hat we released a double seven inch uh, instead of a single we wanted to release a double uh and so you did the art for one half of it, and he did yeah. the art for the other half it was so the was, hidden was, masters was, kind of was my side and his yeah. side was had a mountain uh, it was, <laughs> it was arcane montane it was, was that's was, the it was, one yeah. it was great um yeah he's he's a great dude um it just didn't work out for whatever reason um but he was living in Toronto, and so when we decided to move, I was like, well, I don't want to just move to Toronto, because Toronto is also expensive. Um, and so we decided on Montreal, because it was still kind of close to everything. It's like Northeast, you know, um, great city, you know, very French. Uh, the, the problem the, the, was... The Quebecois <laughs> attitude, yes. Love it. uh, it's, it's a I, lovely place, yeah. I love it. Um, I love Montreal so much. And we had, like, our studio space was, like, super close to the Ubisoft um, building, so we had a lot of friends who worked there, so it was, like, great... Um, a lot of camaraderie and like very everyone's like doing something all the time which was nice um but the problem was like in quebec you have to get like a federal visa and a provincial visa so my federal visa got accepted when i was trying to stay um and then my my provincial visa got denied so my immigration lawyer was like well you could move to toronto and i was like i don't want to move to toronto and Fuck that's that. when i moved to austin <laughs> Back when it was fun. Yeah. Man, I, I, I don't like to be one of those people that just bags on Austin. Because even when I moved there in 2000, it, like, the, the whole vibe of the people that had been there for a while that I got, they were like, it's over. It's already yeah. over, man. It's Austin's already blown up. I was like, what are you fucking talking about? My rent's $200 a month and, like, yeah. it shows seven nights a week. Like, this is amazing, you know? <laughs> so, it was still cheap. But, but I, I, even now when I live here, like, the place I got is, like, it's cheaper than anywhere else that I've lived, so... Uh-huh. I don't know. And, um, and for what you get, too. It's like, you know, like when I moved, uh, I was living in Brooklyn for a minute, and then I uh, tried to move back to Austin to save some money. Newsflash, uh, no longer <laughs> an ability to do uh, just because. Oh, no. but, but what I can say was that what you got for the money was a lot more. Yeah. You know, yeah. like a you know a house and a yard and stuff like that. So Yeah, more space. But, it's um, great. Um, we're able to do yeah. like our, we have like an online store. And it's like we're able to do that with like we have a whole room for it for like packing and shipping supplies and mm-hmm. poster rolling and stuff like that, which would never happen in New York or, you know, many yeah. other cities. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh, and I think pandemics change a lot of things, too, especially as people who like work at home. I'm like, how much do I need to stay in a city now? You know, 
Totally. So it's, you know, we've been thinking about like my partner and I just maybe, I don't know, like what's the next thing after this? Because mm-hmm. I don't even know if we could buy here, you know? I couldn't. I, I, I got the hell out of Dodge. Um, I bought a, an Airstream travel trailer and a truck and I was Ooh. I couldn't afford anything. You know what I mean? So I just I literally just bounced. <laughs> I hit the road. Yeah. And, uh, that's another reason I call this podcast the highway. Uh, just because like, yeah, I'm just uh, cruising on the road, smoking some weed about it. You know, just fucking uh, trying to trying to find life somewhere at the end of this road. There's going to be something for me. Yeah. Uh, but uh, who knows I like what the it's going to be. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to find out what that thing is. Uh, I might go up to Maine. Maine I think I'm going to go all cool. the way up to Maine. We were actually talking about Providence. Ooh, I like is, it up there. Maine is also great. Yeah, Providence is cool. Maine is cool. Well, I like in Maine Providence is, how they, you got weird. <laughs> oh, I love Maine. I, that's why I love it. It's so fucking weird. It's, <laughs> it is uh, weird. Stephen King's one of my favorite uh, authors anyway. Oh, he's, I, wouldn't, I don't know. He's not a... Um, he's just a... He's a maniac. A uh, he, he's a Mainer. Oh, yeah. For life. <laughs> And um, it just, I don't know, I, I, I visited there quite a bit, the coast and uh, inland, and I just, I don't know, I fucking love it up there. It's yeah. uh, brutal winters, but with the global warming they got on us, you know, it might not be that bad for much longer. So I don't know, I might, uh, yeah. I might take it up to Maine uh, and just uh, build myself a little log cabin and just tell the world to fuck off. You as long as I got that. some internet and I can keep talking to, to, to people and, uh, <laughs> and, and posting my stupid songs, yeah, I think I'll be fine. Everything super close but, up there too you know it's like you could drive a couple hours and then bam you're in boston you know it's yeah there's no like, people yeah it's great and then here yeah, it's, it's awesome. like you drive a couple hours and you're in where are we there's yeah. nothing really it's crazy one thing i love about maine is that everybody does everything for themselves up there like no, there's no weed dealers really because everybody just grows their own weed so like if you ask somebody like hey man can you give me some weed they look at you like what like sell you weed that's fucking weird like why don't you just grow weed you know (laughs) i just love that attitude uh that they have up there and um there's not there's there's not too many bands from there but today is the day is from there um then i just so yeah i I know there's a you know you you can be you can be from maine from maine you can totally be i could be from maine you could be you could definitely be from maine yeah let's do it i I, I like let's go everybody Hitch up. We're going um, to Maine. <laughs> Providence is cool though. Um, there's, there's, um, I like how in Providence uh, you you don't call them hot dogs; they're called wieners. And if you call them hot dogs, they, everybody looks at you like you're a fucking psychopath. I did uh, not know that. Funny. See, I haven't spent yeah. any time in Providence. Don't make that mistake. I will not. I'm just... going to tuck that one away. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody from Providence knows. Wait, uh, I was also thinking about Philly. Philly is super cool. Um, we were just there where? last year, Philadelphia. Which oh, I, I thought you said like, like Chile. Like Chile. I was like, "You going to Chile? Fuck yeah, let's you know, go, man!" Like, why not? Yeah. <laughs> At this point, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Philly's Philly's rough though. Yeah, y'all, y'all think about Philly? Philly's great. I was I was thinking about it, but um, we had so like this summer, um, my stepdad had a stroke, and I was oh, like, sorry. "I want to move." He, thank you. Um, he's doing okay, but it made me just think like, I should move closer to like my mom, you know. So yeah. that's part, and she's up in New Hampshire. I don't know how long they're gonna stay there for, like, cause she's she's still working, but she's she's a teacher, and it's her last year. Is like pandemic year. <laughs> they wouldn't Oof. let her like. Oh god, yeah. His health insurance is on her plan. I'm probably giving way too much information right now, but anyway, it's a whole thing. Hey, this is real <laughs> stuff, man. Yeah. People, people need to know. You know. God bless the teachers, <laughs> cause they're doing. It's crazy right now. Um, but yeah, what she's had to deal with is is nuts. So like. 
I was like, I just gotta, I should probably move closer. Because I felt really bad, you know, you're so far away. And I actually took the trip up, like, I hopped on a plane in, like, it was, like, July or something, like, late July. Mm-hmm. And I was like, fuck it, I'm just, I stayed there for, like, a month while he was in the hospital, like, in rehab and stuff like that. So it was, like, just me and my mom for a bit, which was nice. And then I was like, I gotta move closer because it would be nice to do this, like, on a whim, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um... I, I have never, once I left New Hampshire, I kind of just never looked back. I was like, smell you later. <laughs> just get out of here. Yeah. And now that I'm older, it's like, it doesn't feel so much like you're returning to a place that you tried really hard to escape. It feels like you're returning to a place and like, it's changed a, maybe a little bit, but like, I've changed so much. It doesn't feel like that horrible place anymore. I, I get that. Back, yeah, you know? for sure. But I don't, I don't know if but, I'd want to move back there per se, but it would be mm-hmm. nice to be closer to be able to like visit and stuff like that. With me, it was like a Midland, Texas, kind of like the whole Friday Night Lights thing and all oh, that. Yeah. Like that's where I left, and I just wow. I hated it. I had to get the hell out of there. And then uh, eventually, my parents left too, so I never have to go back there. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to. So stoked! I'm never going back. If you live in Midland, I'm I feel sorry for you. I'm really happy uh, for you. But... <laughs> Well, um, thanks so much for coming on and gabbing with us about comics and, and, and music and stuff. I really appreciate it. Yeah, uh, it was, of course. You're, you're one of the greats. And, um, you're yeah, we, one of We could have shit-talked a bunch of famous people the whole time, but, you know, oh, well, maybe next time. Yeah, next we'll time. Maybe on. I'll just talk more about my mom, who is great, by the way. <laughs> Glad I had a good mom. Shout out to Becky's mom. <laughs> uh, what do you have going on uh, right now? Anything uh, exciting coming up that you want to talk about? Actually, yes. So um, Immortal Wonder Woman just came out this week. And Superman, Worlds of War, just came out this week. And my partner, Michael Conrad, and I both have... Uh, we wrote Immortal, Wonder, Immortal Wonder Woman together and the Midnighter backup that's in the Superman book. So if you're a fan awesome. of DC Comics at all, these are, like, one-shots. They're in short. They're only two issues each, so you can just, like, go in, buy one, and then get one. Like, But, but Immortal Wonder Woman sold out before it even hit shelves, which was crazy. So that's, like... Hell yeah. I felt really good about that. And then... Because it was like, I needed a win, you know? God knows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then um, I've got a Batman black and white story coming up in ooh, February or March or something like that, which is cool. That okay, I I'm going to have to get that one. Yeah, it's yeah. great. Um, Terry Dodson draws it, um, and it's it's amazing. I I wrote it, and I did the cover. So And I've drawn one before, so I feel like I've, like, you know, did, like, a little around the world with that one. Hell yeah. That, that's that's awesome. Yeah. Hey, you know what DC stands for, right? Uh, dope, dope Comics. Dope Comics. Yeah, is it not? I don't <laughs> I was know. Like, uh, wait, the best it does I got. Stand for something. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, thanks again. It's always a pleasure. And uh, yeah, you, you've got my number. Hit me up anytime you need anything. I will. Yeah. It's good talking to you. I miss you. Same. Same here. I miss you too. Oh, Thanks so much for tuning into The Highway this week. A big shout out to Reverend Guitars, Railhammer Pickups, and Earthquaker Devices. If you liked what you heard, you can follow where you can follow, subscribe where you can subscribe, and if you want to go one step further, you can support us on Patreon at The Highway with Kyle Shutt. For a few bucks a month, you can help us keep this party going, get early access to next week's episode, and even get yourself a shout out. 